0: All right, so today I want to talk about the texture of answered prayer. And so uh, <laughs> I was thinking about this. Well, actually, this is what I'm about to say is not entirely true. Uh, because for me, it doesn't exactly work like that. But because I'm a little better at prayer than I am golf. But actually, prayer works a lot like golf. So only in the sense that <clears throat> as I'm terrible at golf, but I really like it. I don't know why. I, I don't know. I usually don't participate deeply in the things that I don't like, but I i mean I mean that, I, that I'm not good at, but I, I just somehow like golf. So anyway, I've noticed in playing this crazy game that there's all these nuances, right, that help you golf better. Just a certain movement of your stance, a certain placement of the ball, a certain kind of swing, and it makes all the difference. It's just the most amazing thing. And if you put it all together, which I don't have a prayer, well, I do have a prayer, God, that that might happen someday, but anyway... It's difficult for me to put all of them together. But the thing is, I noticed uh, that if you do those things, you you get a good result. And so prayer is like that. There's nuances of prayer and interceding. There's a texture to prayer. It's not just throwing up something, you know, and hoping you hit something in the sky up there, you know. And those certainly work at certain strategic times. But prayer is walking with God. So I would say at the heart of marriage, we would say that one of the key things about marriage is communicating, right? Communicating. And so it is with God. Learning to hear his voice and communicate back to him is part of the whole central part of intimacy with God and walking with God. And so sometimes prayer gets communicated in all kinds of ways and shapes and forms, depending on what kind of prayer we're talking about and stuff. But the basic thing is uh, prayer is about life. It's about interacting with God in the course of your life. And so it's so critical. I've always seen prayer from the time I was little as a great opportunity because I was explained to me. I'll never forget this. And maybe it's the basis for a lot of how I walk with God. I mean, it's sort of hard to imagine, but I was like six years old. I'm in my little first grade Sunday school class. And I remember her name even to this day. Her name was Greta McConnell. And I remember she taking the kids and she said, okay, this is the way you pray. And then she taught us to pray. And then she explained it, that if you will pray, then God will cause things to happen in your life. So being a little kid, first grade, I began to pray for all kinds of things. I began to be pray to be the most viable player on sports teams. I began to pray that we would always win. I began to pray about grades. I began to pray about the little girl down the way that I liked, you know, and I thought maybe we could meet, you know, in the cl- across the classroom. I, I mean... I, I just took it literally. So everything I wanted, everything I thought was cool, I think I needed as a little six and seven-year-old, I prayed for. It. And the thing is, God discipled in me in it, it because I began to see all this crazy stuff happen, you know. And I kept some of it to myself. Then over a while, I, and as I got through school, it was the same over and over and over again, even to the place I've told you this story. But it, I, I had a lot of good grades, and I didn't like this one grade that I'd gotten when I was, like, taking a summer school class. I couldn't type worth beans. And through a series of strange nuances, I got the whole education system to change that grade when I took it again to my new grade, which was an A instead of a D. <laughs> and it happened over a period of a couple of years, and I didn't even initiate the thing. I was just moaning and complaining about this one grade I got to a teacher across the street who didn't even teach at our school, and she arranged it unbeknownst to me behind my back Arrange it so that she would change it if I would take summer school and I got a better grade, she would change the grade to that. And I thought, how in the world do you do such things like that? I didn't even know, I still to this day don't even know, understand how they did that. But they did it. So this is like my early walking with God, just understanding. You know, just awards that I wanted, schools I wanted to go to, stuff, just ordinary stuff. But in that ordinary stuff, I discovered the majesty and also... The texture of answered prayer, what it feels like, frankly, it's a lot like fishing, <laughs> what it feels like, the whole thing of throwing the, you know, the bait in the water and, and what it feels like to reel it in and then at the last minute to put it in the boat, there's a feeling to it. It's, there, there is a relational connection with God. There's a way that you walk with God in this thing. And so in the process of praying, you learn all kinds of things about how God thinks, how he does stuff, and then you begin to realize, hey, he actually kind of likes me. And when you discover that, your prayer life just goes, whoo, it just begins to get bigger and bigger. And a part of it has to do with faith and risk and all that stuff. So, so what does texture make, mean? Well, let me give a couple examples. Um, We've been in the habit over the last several years of driving up the coast up to Carmel, and uh, I remember the first time we did that. You know, you're just driving along for a while there, and there's the ocean over here, and then all of a sudden you get a little higher and higher, and then the ocean's hidden. Then all of a sudden you get this incredible glimpse to your left of this majestic ocean, and I remember the first time I saw it. I looked at, whoa, what is that? You know. And then what happens is you keep wanting to get the glimpse, right? Okay, okay, where's, where's another? Hey, there's another one. Oh, pull off the side. Let's take a look at that one. Then we do it again do it again, right? And so there's this spectacular view or picture uh, of gods like that. You're driving along and all of a sudden, whoa! And you just learn the nuances. You you, you learn how God works, how he thinks. You he, When he answers prayer, you go, wow, I didn't know he would do stuff. I didn't even know he was interested in that. Whoa! Turns out he's interested in a lot. You understand the texture of that. Turns out sometimes he makes you wait. You want a texture of that, you know? We see a beautiful clothing on the rack. Isn't it instinctual? You don't want to just look at the clothing on the rack. You want to go over there and feel it, feel the sleeve, Right? That's the way prayer is. You you don't just want to look at it from distance. You want to feel it, experience it. What's that feel like, right? What's that feel like? You know, same thing with, uh, uh, because we want to experience more. A lovely garden. You want to go in there and pause for a minute. So texture, prayer has this sense, these nuances about it, right? Which is, it's like a lovely garden exploring. It's so funny, Janice brought this example to me, because with our kids, um, you know, we had some problems, you know, with them touching things in beautiful places, right? You know, kids see this beautiful thing in the in the uh, you know appliance department or in the you know the whatever department the grocery store it is, you know, or they see a picture, you know, a painting or whatever, they want to go over and touch it, right? So Janice had the one little one finger roll. only one finger. <laughs> My mother had some nice things in the house, they want to go touch it, right? No, just one finger, just one finger. <laughs> Okay, you could touch it. Just one thing. So, what is it about the kid? They want to feel it. They want to touch it. They want to. They see something beautiful, and so even with us, you know, a beautiful sunset, right? We want to feel it. We want to. We want to enjoy it. Uh, you know, a glimpse of something. You know, a, 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 a beautiful car. You know, guy. You don't just walk around. You want to feel the fender. You know, you just look into this thing. Whoa! Oh, look in the inside, outside, right? So, prayer is like that. There's nuances to it. It's so important that we understand there's a feel to especially answered prayer. It's so important to remember when you get an answered prayer. Remember that one because you're going to need that answer and the faith with it to go into the next thing. One of the worst things you can do with God is get an amnesia. You can't think. You can't remember a darn thing that he did because you're in so much pain. But all that happened, all that answered prayer is meant to help you with the next thing, right? So that's what I mean by the texture. Remember what it felt like when God answered something. I'm going to get more to this as we get toward the end, right? Prayer is a beautiful concept. That is a, a very relational. In fact, it's one of the main ways we come to know God and talk and walk with Him. There's a texture to it, not just information, but understanding through repeated experience and walking with God. So theoretically, as you go along with God and you mature, you should get better at praying. You should get deeper at praying. You should become more committed to pray. Because it works. Because He works. He's a good God. Matter of fact, He calls Himself our Father, right? That's pretty significant in itself. Our Father. First words that we pray, Jesus taught. Our Father. Now some of us have maybe a distorted Father. It wasn't so great, but we know, all know what fathers are supposed to be, at least have an image of what that's like. And then some of us had great fathers, and so it's easier sometimes, I think, in some kinds of experience with God. But we learn to walk with God, and Jesus says the most crazy things, and the scriptures claim the most crazy things. I didn't say it, the scriptures said it. And as a kid, when I was like six or seven years old, my teacher's telling me this, I just believed everything she said. She says, now the Bible says, and I go, okay, great. So then I tried it out, right? And it worked. And I can still remember all these things I prayed as a child. It helped me. Oh, listen. That little Sunday school over there, what we call it with the children's ministry. It's raising up dramatic things. I, I accidentally walked in. I didn't even know they did this. I walked in on the teachers. And they were all on the floor on their face. Praying for the children. Getting words for them. Praying for them before this, the, uh, the thing even started. Wow! What kind of ammunition are they getting in those little guns of theirs? (laughs) I got plenty, boy, and I've been doing it ever since, right? So, we learn to walk with God. Jesus says, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. John 14, 14. Did did you hear that? So, like, as a kid, I took that pretty literally, and I still take it fairly literally, Lord. You know, I know there's nuances and things, but... Usually when I'm on the trail of something, I'm asking for it and I don't get it. I usually get something better. I just have to pause, figure out, walk with God. Don't get all disappointed and, dis- and especially don't stop. Just keep on going until you get more, not less. It may take a detour or two or whatever, but I just believe that if you understand, if Jesus says this, I don't think he lied, did he? But he also knows more than you about what you really want and what's really better for you, right? And Hopefully, in maturing over time, those two get closer and closer. You know what God likes. You know what's good for you. You pray it with authority, and you don't stop praying until it's done, right? John 14:14. 14, 14, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, let's just read that verse, because what comes uh, uh, before that verse is remarkable. And it really puts prayer in a whole different place this texture of answered prayer all right so John fourteen fourteen you may ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it simple statement, but look at the verse before all right here we go verse thirteen and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the son. you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it so what's at stake is the honor and glorification of the father what's at stake? And answered prayer is the glorification of the Father. When you ask in Jesus' name, it glorifies the Father. I will do whatever you ask of my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So the Father being glorified is the whole deal. Wow. That puts it a whole different place, doesn't it? That when we ask for things in Jesus' name and it happens, the Father gets glorified. He gets the honor. Wow. Now, Luke 11 and Luke 18 are very helpful in understanding some of the nuances of prayer, and uh, they're beautiful passages. And of course, we see in Luke chapter 11 the Lord's prayer, so uh, the, the model for the Lord's prayer. So, I'm going to just start with verse uh, Luke Luke chapter 11 and just read through a few verses. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, "Lord, teach us to pray," just as John. To us disciples, and then we see that what we know is the Lord's Prayer. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not in temptation. Then verse 5. He gives an example. Now, we're talking about the texture of prayer, the nuance of prayer, right? So this, this, what follows is so great, because he gives you the basic framework, right? And I think one of the greatest nuances of the whole thing is Father, our Father. He's your father. And, of course, fathers are supposed to be good. If you had a bad father, a difficult relationship with your father, you might have a little bit of interference there with that one, right? Because of the natural thing. But fathers are good. Fathers are generous, right? That's what they're supposed to be. So just think in your mind what a good father is supposed to be. And the Bible lays that out pretty clearly. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Right? Give us each day our daily bread for, you know, our daily uh, how we make a living. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us and all that. Lead us not into temptation. Lead us away from testing and trial. Oh, I love that part. You know, lead me away from testing. Keep me out of trouble, Lord. I love that one. I wear that one out. Cause sometimes I don't know when I'm wandering in trouble, right? Sometimes I pray that over our church. Lord, lead us away from testing. Lead us into dumb, lead us away from stupid decisions that ruin our life. Because the Bible says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So I don't want to be cooperating in any way with what he does because that's what he does, right? And every time you water in his territory, you get stolen from, killed, destroyed, right? But then, okay, so that's some of the subject matter. I didn't. My intent wasn't so much to talk about the subject matter, which is very interesting. I can get in there for miles and miles, and love to be there. But the thing that gets me about it is the the, the 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 texture of it, the way it feels to actually pray and interact with God and receive something, right? Because Sometimes we know what to pray for, but God takes us on a journey. And in that journey, as He takes us on the journey, and I'll mention this more, but we learn all kinds of things about God. There's all kinds of purposes, works into us. We discover all kinds of things. And so here's what He says prayer is like in this thing that we call prayer. Not only the subject matter, but this is what it feels like. Suppose one of you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, but yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So, now this is what Jesus said. I did not say this. You know, if it was up to me, and I'm thinking about prayer, I'd be creeping around, kind of, you know, but this is like, he says it to be shameless audacity, a shamelessly audacious, right? And I've looked at this over and over, that word, even like in the NIV, when you look at shameless audacity, you kind of look at that and go, well, is that the right translation of that? And when I looked at it real carefully, from what I can gather from the Greek sources and everything, it is exactly that, that is a great translation, shameless audacity, and he gives this example, right, of of knocking on somebody's door on the outside, right? And trying to get them to open the door. And it's funny, because have you ever been to somebody's house, wondered if they're home, you know? And you know good and well they're there, right? And you go up there and call out, Hey, George, you there? No answer. Ring the doorbell, right? Nobody answers. Then you go around the back, if you're really persistent, right? Start knocking on the windows. I know you're in there, right? Especially if it's one of your kids or somebody hiding on you, you know? right? Well, this is exactly what he's talking about. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. And if I'm not mistaken, the Greek tense there would be more accurately translated, keep on asking. In other words, not just ask once, but keep on asking. Do this continuously. In other words, do this always. And it will be given to you. Continue seeking. Seeking you'll find. Continue knocking and the door will be opened to you. Wow. You see this, the opportunity here. I'm thinking, wow. Well, if it doesn't happen the first time, I just keep on knocking and asking. And I make myself obnoxious. Evidently, this person's making themselves obnoxious to the guy inside who doesn't want to give him the loaves, right? A friend's come. I need some food. It's late at night. For everyone who asks, receives. Wow, everyone? Ooh, man, everyone. I didn't see anybody left out there. Not children, not old people, not sick people, not healthy people, not rich people, not poor people. Everyone who asks, evidently receives. For the one who seeks, finds the one who... Who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake And Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is interesting. He says, give the Holy Spirit. So, when we need to answer prayers, lots of times those prayers that we need are supernatural answers. They're something that only God can uh, affect. Aren't you glad He put that, give the Holy Spirit? Because if you can't get the thing answered in the natural, it's going to have to be supernatural. And the Holy Spirit's the one that's going to enforce this and cause it to happen. So He just says, how much will your Father... Let's get right to it. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit who needs to turn the keys, right, to those who ask Him? I'm just wondering how many here today have situations in their lives, where it has to be entirely supernatural or this answer is not coming, right? And God purposely puts us in those situations. The question is whether we're going to continue to take the journey, the prayer journey we need with God. This shameless audacity is part of it, right? And uh, so I was just thinking about this from various vantage points. I've, I've thought about it, you know. So prayer is like fishing in a way. So if we have ask, seek, and knock, there's three words here, right? Ask, seek, and knock. So think of asking is like when you're out there fishing, I don't know how many you fished. I've fished in a limited way, but I used to go with my grandpa all the time. The whole thing, whole process was fascinating to me. The worst part for me was putting my hook through the worm and watching him struggle. I said, t- grandpa, is that hurting the worm? I said, no, no, they can't feel a thing. Why are they squirming like that? I don't know. They're kind of weird like that, huh? Okay. So you bait the hook. That's the first thing you do, right? You ask. You put the bait on the hook, right? Then the next thing, you throw out the line. That's like seeking. You throw it out, right? You got to cast the line, and you put it out there in the water. And then the fish bites. So you're reeling it in. And then the last part is getting the fish into the boat. How many you great fishermen know that getting the fish in the boat is very perilous? Because you might get that fish right up next to it, but then you've got to get him in to the boat, right? So that's the third step. So there's a process to fishing. The bait, catching the fish, reeling it in, and then the last part, getting it in the boat. Now it's been my experience with prayer that actually lots of answers that have come to me have been just like that. That last part is one of the most critical parts because there's a persistence. And sometimes the enemy will resist you in answered prayer all the way up to the very point where it gets into the boat. I'll never forget with regard to uh, us getting this building. So it was one thing for us to have the money. It was another thing to get permission to do what we were going to do. And even the owner of this property told me that the city would never, ever approve it, right? And I tell you what, I fretted over getting this submitted to the city and and purchasing this property for nine months. I fretted because of the word that he gave me. He told me they would never say yes. And I was fretting and praying. Finally, I thought, you know, I just got to go. Just do it and see what happens, Right. And we're in the middle of this uh, city council meeting and the planning commission, who almost always in any way cities work. So some of you who work in this area, you know, if the planning commission gives a recommendation, right? It almost always just gets, it's already been decided, you know, and the city council, yes and okay. They've already worked through the kinks. Well, this particular case, I'm in there, you know, and I'm just like, you know, I'm at the knocking stage. I've done everything I could to get this place to the right place, you know. I've, I've asked, I've sought the Lord, now I am knocking big time. I am knocking on the door. And something's got to happen at this precise moment. And At that precise moment, I remember like it was yesterday, some city councilman says, you know, I don't understand. I thought, well, that could be good. I don't understand this recommendation. Another one pipes up. You know, I don't know. I think I understand it either. Now, wh- now, why, why can't the vineyard buy that place for a church? Why, why is that? Gives it back to him. Well, I'm worried about this. worried about that. You know, I think we could solve that. Don't you think, Fred? We could solve that. <laughs> and I'm going. Yes, yes, yes. We could. We could. We could do that. We do whatever you want. Whatever you want. Right? And they talked it amongst themselves, and the city council overruled the planning commission and voted unanimously to let us buy this property. It was the most amazing thing. But we had done everything we could possibly do, raising the funds, everything. But the last step was getting the thing into the boat. Now, if you'd like to pray for us, we have a lot of other projects that are going on right now. And every one of those building projects have been the same. So right now we're coming to this place where we're coming to a head where they'll let us do the next projects. Part of it has to do with the new school we're doing. Some of it has to do with rearranging and doing the warehouse in a different way. It looks really good so far. But the thing I've learned about this, this is something, so I pray everything I pray all the way to the end. So I'm praying this all the way to the end. Right now it looks okay. It looks fine. It looks like we're going good, you know. But I don't stop because I know there's something deeper happening that maybe these people aren't even aware of in their attitudes and thoughts. I know the texture of prayer. I know it's not done till it's done. You finish the job. You get there till the, that fish is squirming in the boat, and then even then you put him in the freezer and make sure he doesn't pop back out, right? <laughs> because all along the way with regard to our prayer lives, I've found the enemy fights us. It's beating against us. And this is something that's uh, been one of my greatest pleasures is to pray with all of our business people. Because they lose more good deals at the last moment. They lose more breakthroughs at the last moment. They give up. They don't press through. They don't keep pushing it until, right? They don't just keep on. and, And it's not done, right? Until it's done. And that's what that last part of it is. So this is very, very powerful. So prayer, again, is like taking a journey with God. If you take the journey enough journeys and experience enough answered prayer, you feel how God works, right? You begin to feel it. And, uh, and so, like I said, the Greek behind this continuous action uh, is it's behind asking, seeking, and knocking. let I mean, continue doing this. And uh, we actually see this in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8, as Jesus is describing prayer. Jesus told his disciples a parable showed show them that they should always pray. And then here's the three words, not give up. So many times people don't receive things because they give up. See, the enemy doesn't want you to have something. He throws every obstacle that's possible in the way. And it can even twist it and contort it like making it think like, hey, you know that thing you're praying for? It's actually a bad idea. Why would you pray for such a thing as that? Well, I thought it was a good idea. No, it's bad. See, there's all the reasons why it's no good. And I'm not saying that every one idea and everything we pray for is perfect and good. What I have found is that generally, if you walk in with God, generally... You get close to the right thing. So may the Lord may have to change it and shape it. And if he changes it and shapes it, he'll give you an even better answer. But the most important thing with regard to our prayer life is look for something even better. I always assume if I didn't get it right away, I get it later. Or if it's not later, then there's something better I'm not seeing that I'm going to get. Right. That's why it's so important. And you get this all out of the basis of understanding that God actually, after all, is a good God and more interested in blessing you than you are yourself, because you don't even know enough how to bless yourself. (laughs) Things I thought years ago would be my ultimate blessing and everything, no, they weren't that great a blessing. They weren't that good, you know. If you discover that, you think you know about everything, you know, only to find out that God has one better, has something better. So always look for a better in your prayer life. Even when that thing doesn't get answered, sometimes it's just a a related thing. And sometimes it's on its way. It just hasn't arrived on the port yet. (laughs) It's been delayed out on the ocean for a while. It's coming. Don't give up. Things coming in, you know. Verse eight, uh, Luke 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Isn't that interesting? He told them a parable to help them explain. So the Luke 11 thing is kind of how you pray, some of the subject matter, but Luke 18 is the nuance. It's, it's the texture. He gives you a, a great, great advice on the way this thing works way it feels. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice, so she won't eventually come and attack me. Now, I'm not sure if that's going through God's mind or not. Like, that, you know, I'm... <laughs> I don't know. I just found that he has a hard time ignoring squeaky wheels and he gives a little grease, right? And I've, okay, so when we talk about the nuances of prayer, I have found how far this goes because I've lived enough years, right? And wow, if you're squeaky enough, it gets heaven's attention. God may have to sit down and say, stop making all that racket. Okay, I got it. But look, look over here. This is what you really want. He'll do that. Sometimes he just waits to see how loud I'm going to get and how long I'm going to go, right? I think he maybe maybe they're up there in heaven betting or something, throwing the, hey, what do you think? Maybe the angels get a kick out of betting. Hey, I think he's going to last like at least another year of this. No, he'll give up in two months. Okay, you're on. I don't know if that actually goes on, but I don't know, sometimes in my little limited persistence and, and I've, I've, I've saw what persistence does, you know, I, I, just, I, I just think it's, it's amazing how God does this, right? So in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think yet, because this widow keeps bothering me. Now, I can't even believe that's in the Bible, actually. I mean, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so she won't eventually come and attack me. <laughs> so I think probably God's not worried about our attack. But I just wonder sometimes, right? Sometimes, I, 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 I don't know, as a dad, I've had kids that will do this. Uh, some of my kids were worse than others about doing this to me. But it depends on what it was. But they'd be so persistent. Then I began to think, well, maybe this is a good thing. I mean, they would not let go of this thing. My brother was like that at our house. He would not let go of stuff. He'd get spanked for it. He'd, I mean, he would not let go. God, I need this. I need this. I gotta have this. Gotta have this. Gotta have this. I'd drive my parents crazy. And eventually, I'd watch them. They'd cave in, even if it was just a little bit. He got the victory, man. It was amazing. I watched it in this household, man. I watched my brother do this all over and over because he was passionate about what he wanted, man. And he didn't want like like a red bike or a yellow bike. He wanted a blue bike. And he didn't want a blue bike without the right kind of handle thing on it. And not only that, you, you know what I'm saying? Now, I may be remembering this all wrong. When he sees this, he'll call me up. But I think I remember this pretty well. He was pretty picky about what he wanted, right? <laughs> and he would make everybody miserable till they got it. But you know what? I was the same way with certain things. And the Lord said, so listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him? How often would that be? Day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, interesting, will he find faith on the earth? Evidently, heaven really likes faith. And it's so interesting that he puts us in this really easy to understand place, right? Anybody that's had kids for 10 minutes understands this thing right here, right? And and you understand yourself like that sometimes. But sometimes I think we just give up too soon. And in the process, though, of this persistence, I found that I get taught things. I learn things. In the end of the whole process, I learn a lot about God. Listen, it says, the very last verse, I will see what get they get justice and quickly, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The persistence of asking, seeking, and knocking is so powerful, it has everything to do with the, the state of the church in the end times. you thought about that? What he's saying here is the way the church needs to be in the end times. I tell He will tell you, He will see they get justice and quickly, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I suppose it could mean when he comes and examines what you're asking for in your life, will he find faith there? Because he can work with that. But maybe even in the end, when the Son of Man comes, will he find people utterly and completely faithful to him, continue to do the will of God no matter what, which is something I've really been pleased about with regard to the church and this day and time with regard to the COVID thing. I mean, I, I've been so proud of some uh, people, they responded to this, man. I mean, they, they, just, they just stayed their convictions all the way, even to the place of going to jail. I mean, you have to admire that. Yeah. Whether you think it was guided or misguided, or, you know, just the whole thing. I just appreciate, man. My respect for some leaders in our our uh, uh, area here in Los Angeles area just went up like 15 steps, you know, 15 points. I might have agreed with all their theology or whatever, even been may felt a little persecuted by them. But boy, when I watched the way they reacted to this thing and their convictions. I can respect anybody that has that kind of conviction and persistence. It's very, very biblical, right? Especially if it's the right cause, right? It's the right thing. Wow. Amazing. So as I look back through my history, just think of all the things I've prayed for through the years, um, I've learned about this shameless audacity a lot. And um, so i just give you a couple of testimonies, just things that have happened. Uh, along the way with us, I I was, I, I left this part to just sort of be inspired by the Lord, not to, because I have like a laundry list of so many things. But <clears throat> one of the most amazing things uh, with regard to even our premises here has just been the shameless audacity that we've pursued uh, the vision for taking care of the weak and the poor. And um, so I've always wanted to do this. I always felt like it was important. I did a lot of missions, and I've told you that before, but many of you know that uh, as the warehouse has taken shape and formed, it came from a very humble place because I lost all the tenants in 07, 08 to that building, and I didn't know what to do. And I just felt like the Lord told me, well, I just want you to feed people. And I thought to myself, well, who needs to be fed in Orange County, right? I haven't told Mother Teresa that one time. You, you, you heard me tell that story. I so said, why... She says, like, I've been to Orange County and she told me you're dead wrong, right? So I didn't have anybody in that uh, thing. And uh, so we decided just to, you know, put a little table out. And to my shock, people came. Then they started bringing, and you know the story, they started bringing and giving us things for no apparent reason. Then I didn't know what to do with that. And over time, because of the crisis in 07, 08, no tenant inside, I just kept stepping uh, deeper and deeper into this. And uh, and so people started giving me stuff, and somebody said, well, why don't you sell it? I was complaining about it. I was just junking up the place. They said, why don't you sell it? Then maybe you could actually, like, feed people with the money. And I thought, well, that's good. Okay, I'll try it. And I did. And then I'd just show up there every Saturday morning. We did on one Saturday morning. And I was, I'd show up there, and I'd sit behind this little counter. Or I'd go mow the yard or something because we were really slow on resources. So I'd be out there mowing the yard, or I'd be standing behind the little countertop selling these little jewelry stuff. That's where they put me, in the whole thing. You know, the people got to sell, sell sell good stuff. I was behind selling the jewelry. You know, I'd sit there every Saturday morning, you know, sell this jewelry. But the thing is, in the beginning, it was really hard. You know, and I'm thinking, oh my God, what am I doing? here? I got to be preparing my sermon, whatever. You know, this is crazy. You know. And I'm thinking, this whole idea is crazy. But, you know, the recession kept me going because there was no tenant in sight. And I'm thinking, well, we could... I always wanted to do something nice for the week here. And i think thinking, but what stopped me all the time was Laguna Niguel. I'm thinking, that's too rich to do anything, uh, you know, for the week, you know. I had no idea, but I thought, how can a church exist without having that in there, like, it's so part of the scripture. How can we not do that? It's impossible, you know, and I, and I do it overseas all the time. But I'm thinking, oh, my whole congregation is missing out on the joy of what it is to help the weak. They're missing out on the amazing joy and the wonder, wonder of it all. So like at that time, I wasn't even seeing the weak right under my nose. But as we began to do this, they began to come out and I began to wait a minute. Wow, Laguna Niguel is a little poorer than I thought. This whole area is poor I thought. Then it's just gotten worse. Every year year since we started the words, it's gotten worse and worse, right? By the, meaning that there's more and more people in more and more need and deeper and deeper. And now the economics of the things made it a whole crazy. But in the beginning, I just was just do that, you know. I just pray over it, intercede over it. It's like I was having a baby. I knew I was moving towards something. I knew I needed our congregation to be able to involve more and in weak. I didn't want to just be this like a uh, suburban church without any sense of 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 the poor, the weak, the, you know, uh, whatever is in our culture and and even beyond. But traveling overseas is expensive. It takes money to see all that, and it's good, and your life changes, but only a handful of people get to see it. So I want our own people to see it, right? So I'm praying and seeking God, and I don't have a way to replace this building with, with a tenant. So now I'm really motivated, and then I began to see progress. And as I began to see progress, it helped me. I went through the asking. Then I began to seek, and then... I began to knock because I began to smell something. I said, hey, wait a minute. This began to work. Finally, my brother asked me this question. He said, you know what? Let's go buy a gigantic refrigerator. And I said, where are we going to do that? He says, in Seattle. And I said, Seattle? Yeah, I'll go get it. I said, what? He said, you're going to go get a, a refrigerator from Seattle? He said, yeah, it's only 40000 bucks." I said, $40,000? bucks? you got to be kidding me. No, 40,000 bucks. They're normally like 200,000. Oh, that makes it easier. I don't have 40,000 bucks. (laughs) But then I'm just praying about it, praying about it, and I'm thinking, ah, God, just telling me, do it, do it. And And it wasn't like I'm hearing an audible voice. I just, I think, one thing I've learned about this is if you find some idea that's scriptural and it's a good idea, almost always God will back a good idea. Especially if it's backed by Scripture. And the evidence in the Scripture, it's weighty. It's on every page. New Testament, Old Testament. The early church, that's all they thought about was the broken. That's where the gospel came and the sharing and the whole thing, right? So I thought, how can we leave that out of the church? I want it in the church. I want all of us to experience it, feel it, whatever, you know. So I'm contending in prayer with this. And at the same time as you're, you know, asking, seeking, knocking, you're taking steps to that go along with your asking. That's the thing about prayer. i got to just tell you this. Okay, so there's always a part that you play, and there's always a part that... God, see, I'm getting anointed now, because the thing is, uh, I understand this process. Okay, so before I go into too much more depth about the warehouse, because I've probably said it a hundred times, but there's other things that are actually weirder and stranger, and things that are about you that you like in your life. Pleasures, hobbies, things. God will do the same thing about those things because I found out He's more generous than you think. And so you can pray about all kinds of things. The only thing that hasn't come to pass in my life with regard to sports is my golf score. It still sucks. So maybe I think, maybe it's not God's will, but I like it so much because the whole thing is so fun, you know. And anyway, it's outdoors and all that stuff and they don't let me out much. so. So we buy the crazy thing, right, the, the, this refrigerator, and we put it in the middle of this empty warehouse, 50,000 square feet of nothing but space, Pop goes the, the, the refrigerator, right, and, but then he said, my, we got this idea, hey, let's go to the grocery stores, maybe they have, like, some extra stuff, they're always throwing away stuff, so we began to do that, we found, wow, they got lots of stuff, we started putting in the refrigerator, and we put more out, more people came, just kept doing it over and over again, praying over this, there, that, and then I thought, the seller said, Hey, I'm going to get a bunch of kids. We're going to have some for sale. For, uh, uh, I don't know what to call this thing, so I'll call it a garage sale. So we'd have like 10 kids all around the periphery, garage sale, like that. And people would come in, Where's the garage sale? You know. And it was in our warehouse. So they'd come. They thought it was a garage sale. And then they'd say, Hey, I got some stuff. Here, I'll put it in here too. So then they started doing it. And so the thing just began to develop and grow and expand. And that's how it was birthed. That's how it began to grow. And all the while, I was complaining for most of the time through the whole thing, but but it was it was a pray, it was a um, a prayer journey. Like I'm sowing it and I'm moving it, up, but I'm hearing it inside, feeling it inside, and then it begins to manifest on the outside. But at each step, though, you have to take that step of faith. Once you have prayed, you know you got to be willing to take your part of it. But you do about this much, and that this much is really important. You ask, seek, knock. But part of the knocking is. You know, there's some action sometimes required on your part. And this is true of all things. So when I say the nuance, the texture of answered prayer, that's what it it feels like. And, and, And so it's not like presto magic, like I pray for this thing and all of a sudden it's not like Disneyland or magic. It's like life. But it's this amazing thing where you're fighting demonic things, you're struggling and everything, but you have a good cause, you have something you think God wants you to have, and you just keep on going, keep on asking, keep on knocking, looking, watching for the answer. One thing I learned to do is watch for signs of the answer. And once I see that sign, I go, oh, oh, there it is, it's coming, it's coming. It's like if you're on a fishing, I feel that thing, oh, it's pulling, whoa, whoa, whoa right? And then you've got this battle reeling it in until it gets to the edge of the boat, and then right, and here's a, a real key thing. When you're looking for a miracle, many times right at the end, you've got to be very careful to make sure you get that into the boat and don't stop praying, right? Because at the end, sometimes some of the uh, best things are lost right at the end, because right at the end, the enemy causes all kinds of flare-up. He starts arguing with you, starts fighting with you, and you want to give up. Don't give up. You can't give up. You've got to pursue it to the end until the thing gets in the boat, because sometimes the thing will go along fine, miracles moving toward you, coming closer and closer and closer. And just when you're about to get into the boat, boom, and that's warfare. The enemy comes to try to fight it, take it away, and steal it from you. The miracle, right? And could I just say there's all kinds of ways we can apply this? I mean, like I sometimes, if I told you some of the things I pray over, I can't. Because if, if you would not like me. You would think I was ridiculous. I pray over everything. The only thing I haven't gotten any progress with is the, the golf score, but everything else I'm doing well. I've told you, I've carried things so weird. I prayed for my own son's ERA in college when he was pitching the entire season. It's supposed to be under three, Lord. It's supposed to be under three. He got all the way to the College wear Series. It's like 2.95. I'm watching the very last game he's pitching. I'm up there praying, God, I can see the ERA on the sign. Some of you don't know what an ERA is. It's a measure of how good a pitcher's doing. It's runs per, you know, innings, nine innings. So I'm praying this, praying this. I'm sitting there and it's the last inning of his entire collegiate career. He's there. He's just got to finish this one inning. I know they're going to pull him out the next thing. Just, he's going to do, oh God, this is amazing. And I'm in there. Now my, I'm, I'm praying this on the inside. Nobody knows. and, And Janice knew. I'm praying. I'm Almost there. This is a really good thing, you know. He got drafted, went on to the pros and all that too. But this was was amazing. This was like a little, and I have all kinds of these little things in my life. You would not believe all these little things I got. Praying for my kids, family, stuff. I do it all the time. I pray all kinds of stuff, right? That building's going to be ours someday. And also, (laughs) that land across the street. So, okay, but to do any of that's going to be a battle. You know, I had no idea how it's going to happen. I've tried and tried with this thing. I've tried to force it, push it every which way. I haven't been able to do it. I actually got to the place where I could have done it. I got to say that, but it was the wrong time. It just wasn't the right time. I knew it was just the right time. You know, sometimes I think about that one a little bit, but. Uh, what was I talking about? I was headed to, oh, we're at the ball game again. Go back to the ball game. So here we are at the ball game, right? So I'm sitting up there, and, and so a play happens. A guy hits the ball. The guy comes around third, and he scores. And I go, oh, no. And I stood up. I, no, no, this can't happen, no. Now look at the scoreboard, ERA, 3.01 or 3.02, because the guy scored, you know. Ah oh, no! And I thought, God, this can't be. This is the last ending of his whole career. No way. And then the game stops. Somebody calls the timeout. The umpires get around and they're talking. And I'm going, what are they talking about? I'm going, oh, oh this is good. This can be good. You know, they're talking, 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 right? And they're going back and forth for quite some time. And evidently, somebody somehow left the base too early or whatever. They called everybody back. Everybody goes back. He finishes, gets the last out, ERA changes, 2.98. Done. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> ah, man. I've seen so many things. So many things. that's I'm trying to give you some sense of the texture of this thing, this battling and that thing right at the end where that's where I remember I told you where this fish is coming in and you're right about to get them in the net, you know, and put them in your boat, you know, and then they could, you could lose it really easy there because the warfare intensifies sometimes at the very end of something your heart's desire praying. Now, that doesn't mean that all my desires are pure, or clear, or whatever. There's some things I prayed for that I'm glad God didn't answer. Amen. But i tell you what, I don't want to err on the tenacity side, ask, seek, knock. I want to keep on going on that side. And if, okay, if it changes a nuance or whatever, and it has, there's been things like that, I go, okay, I can see. And then usually I find out, well, actually God had something better. Matter of fact, can I just say that to you? Get in the game, play the game, and find out how what God likes and what He doesn't like. And many times if He didn't answer something and you were persistent about it, He actually, just wait, 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 wait. Because there's something better. He's got for you something better. But if you don't Ask, seek, and knock. If you don't learn how to pray about all kinds of things, then you you don't know. You don't understand. You don't have faith for things. And this goes for praying for other people's miracles as well. Just that they... And then that gets really cool. So I'm going to just come through this last couple of points. Prayer is not simply something we do with our mouth. It's also listening. Get a sense of what God likes and wants and taking an action of faith, right? Jesus seems to like this kind of lifestyle. And so we see, you know, uh, Jesus walking on the water, right? (laughs) And he beckons Peter to come out and walk with him. And so he steps out of the boat and he walks. Here we have the loaves. Hey, God, there's too many people. Jesus, there's too many people out here. What are we going to do? He says, you give them something to eat. What? Oh, gosh, isn't it amazing? What is this thing about walking on water that he did? He was trying to prove a point. He was trying to say something to them. What about the multiplying of the loaves? Remember, and then they have a, a couple of chapters later, you read about it, and they have a couple of, cha- uh, of, of, of loaves amongst them, right? And they're arguing because they think somebody forgot to bring the bread, you know, for the journey. And Jesus says, don't you not understand? Like, how many times, remember the that many people and we multiplied this many loaves? Remember that? Don't you get it yet? Could I just say to all of you, do we not get it yet? Even other people's miracles, as we understand the texture, I like to read testimonies because I get a sense of, of how, they, how it happened. I, I love to hear story after story after story. I'll never forget all the things that have happened to us through the years. They're, they're good to repeat and understand. And I found out that things are not as easy as you think and things are not as hard as you think remember when we went into Cambodia. Oh my gosh, many of you took that journey with me. What a journey that was. I committed myself to a five-story building that, la- that expanded almost a, cl- a whole block. I signed my name to a lease to that and to build the dictator a school. I signed my name on the lease to be responsible for paying for that. And then I cried all the way home. And I I thought, what were you thinking? You were crazy. You're nuts. But I'd been praying for Cambodia for years and years. And finally the door swung wide open. I found myself sitting right in front of the prime minister. And he asked me what I wanted to do. And he's like this communist dictator that had been partially responsible for murdering hundreds of thousands and thousands of people. And I said, I want to Plant a church. I want to take care of the poor. He said, could you build a school for me in my province? I said, absolutely. And then I thought, what am I thinking? God, I don't have a penny to my name. Whoa. And so, long story short, we did all that. And we leased that building. And we panicked every single month to come up with the one. But we somehow did. And then we ended up even past that, buying a building and all the rest. And so, that's how... The ministry in Cambodia continued on. We were one of the first ones in after the Holocaust, after that whole thing. And there's one thing after another. You do this enough, what happens is you you just get a feeling for it. You just get a, a sense of it. I got that sense right now. I'm in that sense right now. There's lots of movement. I don't know how many of you know, but there's lots of movement across the street. They don't know what to do with that property. I got some really good ideas about that property. At least the the... So be praying for the with me, be praying for the land directly across the street. I got good ideas about a preschool. I want a preschool. I want a high school. We're going to have a high school, ninth grade next year. I can't believe how fast that school went. I, I It's part and parcel of the whole bigger vision. I want a preschool. I think a preschool would be so cool to have. I know a friend that does it, and I, he gave me, I saw the vision so clearly, these young parents, and the kids get used to their classrooms and then they want to come to church on Sunday. It, it's amazing. There's so many amazing things. There's so much vision, so many things I, I want to do. I, I, I'm trying to figure out Ukraine right now. What are we going to do? And I had an answered prayer come not long after I got this vision about it. And I realized, okay, that's my end. That's how we'll invest in Ukraine. So some of you have already been sending money for that. Pray over the Ukraine. You can even touch things in long places, far away places. It's the prayers of the saints who will ultimately shape what happens in Ukraine, ultimately. You may see some downturns and stuff, but I tell you what, the European church has never been so united. I've never seen them so united. Oh, my gosh. They are interceding and praying. They're seeking God about this thing. It's amazing. On the other side of this, we're going to see great revival and renewal. There's going to be a great move of God in Europe as a result of this pain we're going through. They really are. It's already in motion. The thing's already happening. It's already moving. So there's the kingdom of God, and then there's the other kingdoms of this world. But we literally walk to the beat of a different drummer. And part of the reflection of that is in our prayers. It's the way our prayers work. We really realize how an alternate we are as a kingdom and how much think God will include us in that. We'll suffer along with it. We intercede for it. We give toward it. We work with it. We work with the Father. But ultimately, the Lord will have to pull the strings on many things that we do. Matter of fact, some of the things, listen, we're always trying to avoid faith and discomfort. God, se- turns out, really likes faith and discomfort. That's the texture of answer prayer. I'm sorry in some ways, but I'm glad now, but I still, when I get in another one of those situations, I get sorry again. <laughs> but it's the way it works. It's the way He teaches us. It's the way we become humble. It's the way we become loving toward the Lord. We get breakthrough after breakthrough. We stretch ourselves out for something for God. We reach out for it as best we can. For our family, our house, we pray and intercede. We walk, take this journey with God. At the end of it, we love God more. We're more in awe of God and God does something through us. It's mighty. We're always trying to find the easy way, the easy road. But there's no easy roads for anything worthwhile. That's why I just want to tell you about moving. Moving just physically moving. Be careful how you do that. It might look easier to go to Arizona or to Texas, and maybe you should. But whatever you do, do not make a mistake with convenience. Make sure God tells you to do that. Right? And then if He tells you, you go do it. And then you keep on doing it until it's done. But never move anywhere, because there's a geographical will of God for your life. I worry about so many people making mistakes. It's not about the business. It's not about the housing prices. My goodness, God's proved to me over and over again. It doesn't matter how high inflation happens, whatever. God's resources are greater. He'll help you. Whether you fight it out here or fight it out over there, I'd rather not fight it out over there and not be in the will of God. I'd rather stay in the will of God if that's what God has. And if He has you move, then you go get in the will of God and you go move. But do not do it because the prices are lower or because something you think... Don't let that be the only thing that you're... Cons- make sure you know the land of your anointing. Where am I supposed to live? Where am I supposed to raise my kids? What am I supposed to do? And then you go do it and you fight it out till you get to the other side. For the first five years I bought our house, I couldn't afford one single housing payment. I had to believe God... For the first five years, I bought this house. I still don't even know why they even gave me, except that I prayed it in. It was a crazy thing. They should never have given me. I told the guy, the mortgage guy, you should never have given me that loan. And then he told me, you know the reason why we gave you that loan? That's just two years afterward. And he said, because we did an experimental plan, we wondered how many people would actually foreclose if we widened the margins. I was, well, I was almost one of those. And he said, well, <laughs> evidently you got through. And I said, yeah, by the will of God. But I don't even know. I found that information out on the cup. God wanted to let me know. I'm fighting this fight, trying to make the payments every single week, every, every single month. But finally I did it. I kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. finally it broke and I was able to easily do it. But it took three years of constant back and forth, worried about, you know, da, da, da. But, I, but it was the land of my anointing. It's where I belong. You have to fight for where you belong. You have to fight for your business. You have to fight with what God's told you. And then you do it. Oh, man, so people don't understand that. But if you get the idea of it, it's easier and easier as you move along. It's easier and easier to do these things, to work with God on the supernatural. You just got to get the feeling of it. You got to feel the texture of what it is to get an answered prayer to impossible things. That's one reason why I, I live off of testimony. So I'm going to finish with this, the power of living in testimony. Do it again, Lord. Tracking your answered prayers and the answered prayers of other people's prayers, lives, prepares the way for the next miracle you need. Matthew 16, we're at the bottom here. Did you get that? Yes, God. I learned this from uh, Bethel. I learned this very, and I tell you, it's been one of the most instructive things. Watch what God does in other people's lives. It prepares the way for miracles in your own life. You can get a hold of what happened there, right? Right. So as I mentioned this story, all this this uh, Matthew 16, uh, 5, 12 is about is he's in the boat with his disciples. Um, They're discussing amongst themselves, you know, uh, Jesus says, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discuss amongst themselves "It's because we didn't bring any bread. So Jesus almost goes to the roof off that one. Where they're discussion. You have little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Evidently, our memory is really important in these things. Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 how many basketfuls you gathered. How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread but against the teaching of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. But he was also saying something else. How is it that you could... Believe that I was talking about bread. I multiply bread for all these people. You don't think I could do it again? Right? So, as the texture of your prayers begin to change, you start to believe that even things you thought were dead can breathe in life again. I I like that song. There's a song. I, I sing it all the time. Things that we thought were dead. You hear me mention it all the time because I've been in so many places where I thought things were dead, but they were alive, right? They didn't look like it, but they're alive, right? Now to him who is able to immeasurably, this is verse 20 of Ephesians 3, more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. He's able to immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us. Right? So what happens is you begin to live this lifestyle, your peace and confidence begin to grow. Right? And this testimony of what's happened in the past it helps me prepare me for the next miracle, and even somebody else 's miracle prepares me for the next miracle. so one thing i 've learned I was just talking to my friend about this, and i 'll close on this because um, it was even a it was sort of a revelation to me because uh, I have a friend and uh, and I have a lot of business friends because I get a kick out of praying, especially for the business stuff, because it 's so tangible. <laughs> You either got the sale or you didn't. You either made the mark or you didn't. You're either in debt or you're not. You know That's all so great. So when you take prayer and you invade the marketplace with it, it's fascinating to watch how the thing unfolds. You know, one day people are praying about something, you know, and they just lost their job or they lost this opportunity and their whole world caves in, you know. It's just horrible, you know. And, but they keep praying and we keep praying through it. And then all of a sudden you watch God take it and revive it. Okay, so the thing, what I learned about this is I've become an addict for answered prayer. Not only my own, but I listen for everybody that's got a testimony or an answered prayer. So in our prayer meetings, I follow people. I'll pray with them for years over thing. And I've been praying for years with this one gentleman the other day. And I'd realized how far I've come in this because I've been praying for years. And it was like, it was going to be a monstrous loss. It was going to be horrible. He got caught right in the middle of one of these land deals in Arizona, and he was going to be like, whoa. It was not good, not good. And uh, he was wondering whether he'd just sell it, take the loss and everything. But through the years, we, I just didn't, I don't, he didn't think it was the right thing to do, so he held on to this piece of land, which he should have easily sold, and got a little from it, right? We prayed and prayed and prayed. Over a period of eight years, we prayed over this. I prayed about once a week, probably, over his property. Well, the other day, he walked up to me and said, "Guess what? I got a buyer." I said, "What? You got a buyer? I got a buyer. I'm going to make money on this thing." And I just stopped for a minute, and I just got so happy on the inside. Now, it's not my property; it's his property. But I have learned to so get entangled up in people's stuff that when they get a miracle, I'm thinking, "Oh, that's amazing." I just went through an eight-year cycle with somebody who thought they were going to lose everything, and instead they're going to make twice as much as they thought, and they could have sold it or gotten rid of it any place along the way, but they didn't. They fought through it. They prayed through it. They prayed through it, and guess what? So listen to me tell you something. With our business prayer meetings, one thing I love about it is I live through people's junk. And I live through their miracles. And I watch it on a daily basis. And we keep track of it. I keep score. I love to keep score. I'm a statistic guy. That's why I like baseball so much. I'm, I'm, looking at, I'm always looking at the score, right? Oh, yeah. And I'm keep, keeping the score. But when you keep the score and you watch over, there's a certain joy that begins to build in you. Because when you see so much answered prayer, you begin to go, Wow. This is what God does. And you see so many people and they're getting miracle after miracle and things happen. And then you, you, you sit on like a mother hen on a bunch of eggs pretty soon. Well, that one hatches. Well, that was in bad shape, but I don't think that'll ever hatch. Yep, that'll hatch. And it begins to happen. And then pretty soon you think, wow, nothing is impossible with God. You just stay in place. You pray through it. You do everything you can. And you walk in faith with that thing. And you learn the texture of it. When you get the texture of it, you go, whoa, nothing's impossible with God. Everything is possible. And when you live in the joy of answered prayer, you pray more than you've ever prayed in your life. It's whether you live in the joy of it or not. When you see the joy of it, that's what testimony does. That's why I love testimonies. I have every Monday night, we have people give testimonies. I hear the answer. I hear impossible situations. I know. So I used to not just barely pay attention. Now I pay attention to every answered prayer, and I feed off of like, like a, I just eat it. I eat answered prayer all the time because it gives me the, the what I need on the inside to go get my own prayers answered. And then I learn what's possible. And then I truly learn if you keep track of all this thing, the enemy tries to sweep away and answer prayer as fast as he can. He tries to hide it, disguise it, make it look like something else. But I found, no, 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 no way. Let's get down to the real. Let's remember exactly what did happen. <laughs> and we start talking. Now, remember, you were here, over here and I was over here and you told me, and this was the way it was. Oh yeah, that's the way. Okay, so then now we've been praying and now it's improving, right? And he says, yeah. And a couple of years, later, yeah, and then he gets the answer and then we go, whoa. And so we're getting the hang of this. Prayer is a joy. Yes, God. Not because of some aesthetic thing. You know, I do get joy from the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's a different kind of joy. But I really get a kick out of is when God comes through when it's darkest. When God comes through, when there was no hope. So I write those down. Every time I hear about somebody that was sick and they're going get well, I go, whoa. And I use that for my own faith. And I feed myself with that so that I can pray for the impossible for everybody else. You can do that for yourself and you can do it to others. You need other people for a real an unusual way. You know why we need people? We don't just need people because they make us feel better. And encourage us. We need people because they show us what's possible. You need to be connected to the body of Christ so you can see what's possible. And when you see what's possible, you're going to apply it to your own life. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. <clears throat> God, I just want to thank you for all the answered prayer. Yes. <clears throat> I thank you for the unanswered prayer, the miracles that are about to come, that are about to show us, yes, that prove, Father, how absolutely good and fantastic and wonderful you are. Yes, and I know good and well in this room that there's disappointment and discouragement. There's things that have happened. There are things that we think are dead but may be breathing a life again are losses that we had some of them we can't quite get back but there's a whole lot of other things that are in this room right now that need to change so I'm asking you to impart your faith to your children and I pray you would make this a praying church and I pray you would take this, help us take this position on the wall of intercession watching for answers and then registering every single one of them for the glory of God so that we learn how to pray And you said in your word that it actually, in the end, actually glorifies the Father. And you said, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Lord, at Vineyard Community Church in Laguna Niguel, I pray you would always find faith on the earth. Even if it doesn't work out, I would rather try to do something in faith than never try at all. In the end of the equation, even if I lose a little bit, I gain far more. Because God, you are so powerful. I think there's some prayer business that maybe could happen here today. And Remember today, some of you will come up and you'll pray over things that are really bothering you, really troubling you, things maybe that feel like they're in the loss column right now. But what you could do today is you could open a new testimony. You're going to take a faith journey, a prayer journey, and this may be the opening act, right, today, what you decide today. Just a little response that you make. God watches our responses so much. Have you ever noticed that in the scriptures, how Jesus was always commenting when a person had faith? I keep hearing this word, things that we thought were dead are breathing in life again. Can I say that over you? Nothing's impossible. You know how you learn this? You learn it much better as a group than you individually. That's why a a believing group, a believing group of people, wow, they're infectious. Just like to be with a bunch of unbelieving people is infectious. Then nothing's impossible with God. God everything's possible and if you keep track of the answers you learn that that, that's so absolutely true some of you are in a dark space and you just need movement so I want to pray for you I'm going to pray not only will you get out of it but you'll begin to see evidence of the fingerprints of God getting you out and don't worry if what you pray for takes a little turn and the fish hides for a while at the end of your line don't worry about it it's still there just tug it a little bit He's still there then God will give you a sign that the thing's still alive. And then be careful as it's getting close to the boat Then you'll let the warfare steal it. Because sometimes, right as it's about to get in the boat, the enemy will just come and try to cause havoc. But you just stay still. You stay on it. Get your friends to pray for you. Pray for it until the thing gets in the boat. There's a lot of things that need to get in the boat now. There's health issues. There's financial issues. There's children issues. There's wisdom issues. Decisions about moving, staying, all that's in the air right now in such a really real real way. It's like if you have something that really is on your mind today and you just feel like you want to pray over it, why don't you just come to the front? Just come as an act of your faith. Just say, God, here I am. Now, you could do it from your seat, that's okay, but I don't know. Sometimes, especially if it's intense enough, I just like to come up in the front. And remember where two or three gather together in my name, there I am and there's midst. There's a powerful thing when two or three agree in something. So maybe somebody will come along and pray with you and agree with you, okay? And if they're a perfect stranger, don't worry about that. Matter of fact, maybe we should have some of the ministry team come up and as the Lord leads you, by ministry team we mean people that might be, say, hey, could I pray for you? Could you just come up just a little bit further, just, just one more step, you guys right there, that's good. Try to spread out as much as you can. You know, I'm feeling better. I feel like we're getting our thing back. You know, we're getting more and more people up in the front. We're not afraid of catching COVID or some weird disease. And Lord, I just want to thank you for that. That you've, uh, you're, I pray you would just continue to push COVID out of this region, out of this area. May it never come back again. In Jesus. And I don't care what strains out there. You know, I don't even I don't care if it's the Z strain or the 150th strain. I don't care. God, I just pray you to eliminate. Covid from our midst in this area, in Jesus name. We agree in prayer, God. Eliminate this disease from our children, our adults. I pray no more infectious things happening over this area. We pray for Afghanistan. I mean, not Afghanistan. We already prayed for that. We pray for Ukraine today, Lord, in Jesus name. God, let the holy nation arise in Ukraine. May the church arise. May some of the greatest miracle stories we've ever heard come out of the ashes. And may this nation come to know the Lord. And Europe may it be transformed by this activity. Make people turn to God again. When the enemy is meant for de- de- evil and tried to steal, I pray you'd bring for good. I pray you'd rise up the leaders and pray you enlist us to pray for the, the leaders of the Ukraine and also the Christians in Ukraine, the politicians and the leaders of the church. In Jesus' name. Nothing's outside our reach. So here at Venner Community Church in Laguna Nigga, we ask you, God, for these things over our area and our region. In Jesus' name. God, we pray you put people in elected positions that are honorable, full of the Holy Spirit. They're full of wisdom and not dumb. Please, please, Lord, eliminate all dumb politicians. We appreciate it. The ones that just really don't know their right hand from their left, that's the way you put We pray for them right now. In this next election cycle, we pray for godly people. Put them in positions of the mayorship and put them in city councils and put them in the Senate, put them in the House of Representatives, Lord, and the Supreme Court. Lord, we cry out to you for that. In Jesus' name.